What is up, Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host, professor, and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. But most importantly, fam, I'm your friend. I'm your homie. You can count on me to show up consistently every single day to deliver you meaningful content. Hopefully that brings you value. Hopefully that offers you tools to help transform your health and happiness. And I'm so grateful for today's guest. This woman is so powerful. She's doing incredible things in this world. And that woman is Laura Dawn. And Laura Dawn is the host of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. She is a microdosing mentor, a leading transformational coach. And through her signature programs and retreats, Laura Dawn has managed to weave together science with wisdom to teach business and thought leaders, entrepreneurs and creators how to mindfully explore psychedelics and sacred plant medicines as powerful visionary tools for inner transformation and creative manifestation. I don't know about you, but that sounds so fucking dope. And through this mindset and somatic coaching, she inspires people to truly expand the boundaries of what they believe is possible and embark on the path of heart-centered leadership to influence meaningful change. That might be one of the coolest bios I've ever read for any podcast guest. So I'm so excited to introduce to you the one and only Laura Dawn. And before I do, fam, I just want to give you a warning that there were some spots in this show that um, Laura Dawn's connection froze up a little bit. She's in Hawaii and... For the most part, you can hear and understand everything, but I did just want to mention that. So I apologize and I'm going to continue to work with my team to create the best audio and visual experience for you in this podcast. You can find the full podcast video version on the Thrive University YouTube channel. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with the one and only Laura Dawn. Laura Dawn, welcome to the Thrive University Path Podcast. Greetings from Hawaii. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super grateful that you're here. And uh, just to give the listeners a little background, we actually connected on Clubhouse. I was in on a couple of your rooms and I was just really inspired by a lot of the things that you were sharing with the group. And I'm curious if if we could start, Laura Dawn, talking about your hitting rock bottom. And I read a little bit about this a few years ago, um, but I'd love for you to dive deeper into that story and what opened up for you after hitting rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. So that well, that's a quite a number of years ago now. I I uh, have a published book uh, in my sort of past life career. I published a book on food addiction, and so and I talk about that in the opening chapter of the book. And um, yeah, you know, I was on the fast track to success. I was, you know, I, I was in a very sort of. I, quote unquote, like elite program in university. I was studying finance, but I was also in a portfolio management program, managing a million dollar fund in my you know late teens, early twenties. And I was raised by two entrepreneurs. And so I've always been in the business world. So I've always had sort of one foot in the business world, but then I, I also had my first high dose psilocybin experience when I was about 14 or 15. So I have this really interesting like parallel track where I was sort of raised in the in the entrepreneurial reality, but also had one foot in the psychedelic reality for a, a really long time. And I was in university at that time and I was struggling with depression and um drinking and was working uh, with a little bit of, of substance abuse, like cocaine and, and that sort of thing. And it was more just this place of, of, of just using food and substances as a portal to exit 
and not want to be present and not want to feel. And I think that that's a really big part of this conversation around, you know, working with plant medicines and psychedelics because intention is such a big part of all of it. And I was really struggling with depression at that time in my life. And I'll never forget that moment that I was on the bathroom floor. I was sobbing of just like, I, I was just so unhappy and struggling with food. I was struggling with bulimia at the time. And I, um, I was just, I was just praying for some kind of like solution answer. I was just on my knees on the bathroom floor saying like, please spirit, you know, show me the way because otherwise I'm going to die. And I, it was the first time I had this like out of body experience or more like this meta awareness of my own mind. And I just had this thought occur to me that, this didn't have to be my life that just because everyone around me was like, wow, you are going to be so successful. You know, I started investing in the stock market when I was really young and doing really well financially. And, you know, I was getting handpicked to go and work at some top firms in Montreal in the finance industry. I wasn't even out of school yet. And I just didn't want that to be my life. And I just had this moment of like, you can make a different choice. And in that moment, I decided to literally pack up everything, not right in that moment. It was just a few months later, but I I literally gave away everything that I owned. I fit what I had left into one backpack and I left Montreal and I never went back. And I really set out on the adventure of a lifetime, which was, you know, kind of running away from myself and running towards myself at the same time. You know, it was really just such a a path of self-discovery. And I traveled all over the world and I ended up, you know, I lived out of a backpack for almost almost over six years, almost seven years. And, you know, immersing myself in different cultures, which was incredibly helpful to just get out of my own bubble, get out of my own reality and look at how other people live. And I had a lot of psychedelic experiences, particularly in the window after university, which felt like a huge unlearning, a huge like unprogramming. You know, I was like studying economics and um, finance and just so immersed in the system. I was head of the uh, commodity sector of the fund. And I was investing my own money alongside, you know, investing in mining companies in South America and, I just it I just couldn't keep that going on that path when I started working really deeply from more of an intentional place with psychedelics I came to the just the there was no place for that to be in alignment in my life and I had a lot of grief I grieved a lot in those years and just let go of so much this identity construct of who I was And I read Charles Eisenstein's book, Sacred Economics. Uh, I had the privilege of interviewing Charles Eisenstein for my podcast, the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. And it was such a a pleasure to drop in with him. But it was books like that and, and really starting to open my mind, you know, to other more spiritually oriented concepts and you know, my mother and father have always been like very alternative. So I, I already had that seed planted, you know, started reading Wayne Dyer's book, The Power of Intention when I was like 17. And that was also a big influence on me. But it's these things that happen over time, you know, these little seeds that get planted that over time, they they start to fruit and, you know, and become manifest in our consciousness. And so, you know, it, it was through that period of, of really hitting rock bottom and going through, you know, the institutionalized schooling and then coming out the other side and living out of a backpack. And then really after years of that, and um, at that time, I, I grew my, my online brand to a million and a half people spreading the message of positivity around the world. I was ranking number one on Google for a search term positive quotes, which is a really competitive term to rank for. And it was through those years that Oh, did we cut out? No, you're good. No, you're good. It just for a moment, but I knew we would be back. Okay. So I was, you know, doing consulting work for companies that I believed in and business coaching and um and then I came full circle. You know, I hit a moment of full circle where it was like 
I have this perceptual lens of entrepreneurship. I was raised with that lens. Like it's a part of my DNA. I'm incredibly business savvy my entire life. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. And I really just had this moment of like, I can really use this to build businesses that are more consciously oriented and that can really make a difference. And that's that the full circle moment of integration of like, you know, I, I can use my knowledge in a way to really help people. And, you know, fast forward some years later, I was sitting with ayahuasca and I received a really powerful vision to create a retreat center, a space for people to come and receive transformational healing. And it was such an incredible journey. And that's such a big story in and of itself. But, you know, I had gone back to school, studied holistic nutrition. and started running retreats. And I've been leading transformational retreats for over 10 years. And over those years, really started moving towards the path of, of plant medicines. And then it was a few years ago that I felt like green light to really come out of the psychedelic closet and share more publicly and more openly just how much psychedelics had, had played an in influential role, not just for helping me heal addiction and depression, but for helping me really learn what it means to be a visionary and cultivate a vision for something that really challenges us to rise to the occasion and become the person that can transmute that, that vision into reality. And so... Yeah, rock bottom to, you know, really living uh, such a, an extraordinary life. And I'm grateful for this path. And it's always a reminder to people that crisis can be the catalyst for transformation, that our greatest challenges can be transmuted into stepping stones of our growth and awakening. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So many different tangents we can go on. And I really appreciate you sharing so much of that so openly. and. It is beautiful how things came full circle because I know so much of the work you do now is working with microdosing and specifically around areas of leadership and flow state. And I'm imagining that your past history in those settings, you know, the corporate settings, the finance settings, the investment settings really helped you gain that perspective of what those people need and what they really desire. So, you came out of your psychedelic closet and now I feel like you're one of the faces of this movement. Uh, some would call it the third wave. So what are some of the things specifically with your protocols that kind of are unique? Because you talk a lot about flow state leadership, mm -hmm. and I'd love to just dive a little deeper into those topics. Yeah, you know, and it, I'll just say right off the bat that like it's been a huge process for me to step out and even claim this name psychedelic leadership. It's it's really been this just like tumultuous internal process of like who am I to to call myself a, like psychedelic leadership, you know? And and I, I really just want to say that like, I am just a student here and I will be a student on this path for the rest of my life. And the more that I, you know, put together these amazing panels of people on Clubhouse talking about codes of ethics or psychedelic facilitation, the more I walk away from those conversations being like, wow, the, the more questions I ask, the more I realize how little I, I know and that I'm really just an expert in my own experience. And so, and it, and really it's been the, the medicine that's taught me so much about uh, the protocols that I've developed. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is that it's interesting because when I first came out with the whole psychedelic leadership brand, the initial sort of doorway was... I mean, of course, most people hear the word psychedelic leadership. And so they think about, you know, leaders stepping in to lead in the psychedelic space, you know, guides, facilitators, entrepreneurs, launching businesses in the psychedelic space, you know, musicians and, and psychedelic leadership can take such a myriad of forms. Like my initial sort of uh, just 
desire to, to really launch the psychedelic leadership brand and podcast was looking at how the, the hallmarks of the psychedelic experience, how we can look at those and foster more heart-centered leaders, no matter what domain that they're leading in. So whether they are, you know, a lot of my clients are CEOs, executives, pro athletes, and looking at the ways that we can incorporate a framework, because as we know, you know, psychedelics are really powerful powerful substance. It's like a knife. So with a knife, you can cause harm, but you can also create a masterpiece. And it's so much to do with the, the set and setting, the intention that goes into it. And when we start looking at the, the fundamental sort of uh, like what psychedelics are, I mean, even the word psychedelic means mind manifesting and fundamentally they're pattern disruptors. And when we look at the state of the world today, that's exactly what we need. We need a pattern disruptor. COVID has been a pattern disruptor, you know, and, and to just link this into what my main focus is now, you know, the conversation around psychedelics has been mostly focused around depression, PTSD, anxiety, addiction, for good reason. We're experiencing a mental health crisis. We're going through, you know, we're witnessing suicide rates are at all, an all-time high. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as we're facing this time of crisis, we're witnessing the third wave, this proliferation of psychedelic and plant medicines really now entering the mainstream. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. And I don't think it's a coincidence because the same neural underlying mechanisms for which psychedelics support depression are also the same mechanisms for what they, what they do to help us think more creatively. And there's very little focus uh, on the, the topics of psychedelics and creative thinking, creative problem solving. And so I actually, I'm, I'm taking a break because of COVID. It's been a bit of a forced sabbatical on running retreats. And so I'm back in graduate school right now, getting a master's in science. And the program is creativity studies and change leadership. So I'm really looking at the intersection and the overlap between creative thinking, cognitive tools that we can learn to think more creatively and psychedelics and how we can understand because research shows that the more that you understand okay we're Sorry. good we're good we're good okay so the more that we the more that we understand the way the mind works, the more we can leverage that understanding, it's self-knowledge into self-transformation as the catalyst for, for self-transformation. It's like the analogy I use is like being stuck in a glass jar. No. Laura Dawn, are you there? Oh my gosh, I don't know what is going on with the internet right now. I know. I, I, I we'll, we'll, we'll push through this. It's, it's happening if, for if, us. Yeah, if we need to reshoot it, we'll, we can book another time. Um, no, no, we're but good. we'll see. We'll get, we're good. If okay. we, this, is, this is too good, too juicy for, for <laughs> us not to continue going. But, okay. but just to kind of finish that point that you were talking about. Yep you know, linking, linking the use of psychedelics to leadership and creative thinking, you know, that's something I really relate to because on my personal journey, you know, I sat with Aya over two years ago at this point in Peru. And one of the main messages I got was like, you're such a power, you're such a creative force and you're neglecting some of that. You're not fully opening up your throat chakra and sharing your gifts with the world. And then shortly after I implemented microdosing in a very mindful, intentional setting. And for me, it wasn't about like overcoming anxiety or depression. It was more so, as you mentioned, tapping in to some of this creativity that maybe I had neglected by turning off and silencing that default mode network where our ruminating brain lives. And that really allowed me to, to be more present and to really step fully into my power and potential. And I love everything that you mentioned. And I just want to support that with, you know, my personal experience. I really relate to that. Now, 
you talk about leadership a lot and the leadership mindset. What do you feel like are a couple of the main qualities that a leader in today's world needs to embody to really enroll others in mm-hmm. his or her vision? Yeah, well, you know, leadership mindsets, there's so much that can be said about this. And the framework that I teach is, is okay, so we know what skill sets are and we know what mindsets are, but we rarely talk about heart sets. And that's what I think is the, the most important conversation in terms of leaders leading for the 21st century. And so the way that I frame mindsets is linked to the way that we can um, open our hearts. It's so interesting, actually. There's teachings in the in Eastern philosophy. Uh, this teaching of of bodhicitta, which means uh, awakened heart and enlightened mind. And they the word bodhicitta refers to the mind and the heart as almost like one thing. And so, for example, you know, I I just shot a whole uh, recorded a whole solo episode on this on my podcast about cultivating leadership mindsets and how we need to think of it in terms of of linking it to heart sets as well. And one really powerful mindset and people might think like, oh, you know, um, like easily sort of of, um, not emphasize the importance of it. But I think one of the most important and indispensable mindsets for navigating through these incredible times of change is cultivating a curiosity mindset. And we can learn to cultivate that mindset. And a lot of people might immediately think like, well, I'm a curious person, like, you know, and sort of discredit that as like a very valuable mindset to have. But if anyone just had that thought, then you you actually could cultivate this this mindset of curiosity even more. And Pema Chodron, one of my spiritual teachers, you know, she she says the spiritual path is going from a narrow way of thinking to a more open way of thinking. And that's why I think that, you know, one of the main frameworks, like roadmaps to help us for with integration, um, looking at wisdom traditions, that we can sort of frame the, the leadership conversation within this cradle of wisdom teachings that helps steer the compass in a good way. And I truly believe that, you know, because we live in this time of division and polarization, curiosity builds bridges between people. It breaks down walls. And that's what we need for heart-centered leadership right now. It literally allows us to reach out and make a connection with someone rather than push them away. It allows space for differences to be okay. It literally softens the heart and relaxes the mind. It creates space, space to breathe, space to explore. You know, cultivating curiosity mindset is like the uh, the bridge is from from perceiving limitation to training the mind to perceive solutions possibilities and so in that way it's really it's it's an ally and it's a friend in the face of change in the face of disagreements in the face of the unknown and that's what we're facing right now and so just something like that can be so so powerful and the way that we can cultivate curiosity mindsets is by learning to draw upon tools like asking what I call higher reaching questions, you know, and weaving, you know, we know that words create our reality. I use the word I'm curious about, or the sentence, like, I'm really curious about your thoughts on this. And I use that in my vocabulary every day. And it's, it's really the gateway that goes from that narrow perspective to the opening, the opening of a more broader perspective. And that's also what cultivates a creativity mindset. And for those who, you know, it's like, I can't emphasize enough, you know, the top 1500 top CEOs in the world now call creative thinking and creative problem solving the number one most important skill set, although it's it's really more of a mindset that we can learn to cultivate to thrive and be successful in the 21st century. So really weaving that into our vocabulary, you know, when you're having a conversation and you notice someone saying something that you disagree with, and maybe it touches that soft spot of like, ooh, trigger or something like that. And breathing into it and then asking, you know, I'm really curious, like what brought you to that conclusion? Or I'm so curious how you arrived at that perspective, you know, and 
even asking yourself questions like, I'm, I'm so curious how, how uh, I would react if I, or how I would respond if I came from a place of, of opening to this person's perspective um, or not holding on so tightly to being right. Like, I'm curious how I would react or how I would respond if I, I wasn't like gripping the shit out of my belief system right now. And I just like relaxed into holding being wrong as a possibility or that two people can fundamentally hold different perspectives and make space for that to be okay. You know, so we we can work with questions to leverage a curiosity mindset and remind ourselves that we don't have all the answers. And even when we do have a belief system, it's a story that we're telling ourselves and we don't need to hold on to it so tightly. And we can create space for other people to tell their story, even if it goes against what we believe, you know, is truth for us. And so it, it gives that breathing room. And that's just one example. Um, but in this, this program that I've created, it's I have a signature program called Microdosing Mastermind. We go into 21 uh, heart sets mindsets for the 21st century. And we look at leading from a place of compassion. And even that is such a great question you can ask. Like when you're in a situation, how would kindness lead? What would love do here? What would kindness do? How would kindness show up in this situation? And we can really start to learn to integrate and come from this like centered place that that really allows us to centralize around these core heart sets and mindsets that allow us to be much more effective leaders and influence change. Wow. Laura Dawn, you honestly make my job hosting this podcast so easy because I'm always like, how can I speak less and just really let my guests shine? And that's exactly what you're doing right now. I hope everyone listening is rigorously taking notes because LD is dropping so many knowledge bombs. And at Thrive University, we say, you know, knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. It really requires action and implementation for you to notice the benefits and the impact and the transformation that Laura Dawn's referring to. So we have cultivating curiosity, creativity, and compassion. And I like those because they're all C words. I'm big on alliteration. So I love that. And that's powerful. Just being more open-hearted and asking more meaningful questions and not being so addicted to being right and not so caught up with dogma, mm -hmm. which is something as, as an expert in holistic nutrition, I'm sure you've experienced a lot of dogma in, the, in that world as well, you know, whether it's keto, paleo, vegan, plant-based. And when it comes down to it, like all of those different approaches have like 90% of the same belief systems. It's like eat real food, mm -hmm. avoid processed food, you know, and we tend to just focus mm -hmm. on the 10% of, of disagreement. And it's, it's interesting. Um, I know you also LD talk about the importance of integrating other aspects of health and wellness protocols. What is up, Thrive Tribe? I am sorry to interrupt today's fire conversation with Laura Dawn, but I just wanted to remind you that I recently released my free microdosing course. And in this course, I provide over 30 minutes of video content to really educate you and provide knowledge about microdosing and how it can be a very valuable tool for your growth and your evolution as a human being, as a leader, as a conscious creator. And I'm so excited to get your feedback on this. I put a lot of heart and soul and energy into creating something super valuable. And I wanted to make it free because ultimately I believe that everyone, all 7.5 billion people on the face of the earth deserve access to this information. I didn't want money to be something that got in the way. So it's literally free. Just hit the link in the show notes. You can click it, you can access it, and maybe it's something you wanna implement down the road. Now, let's get back to this conversation with the one and only Laura Dawn. In combination with microdosing, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, as you probably experienced too, people 
you know, have tried a lot of things that maybe haven't worked and microdosing mm-hmm. maybe is like the third or fourth option because none of those other things, whether it's, you know, Adderall or SSRIs for depression, none of that stuff worked in the long term and, and they felt called to uh, try microdosing. But microdosing also isn't a magic pill, right? Mm-hmm. So, so can you talk a little bit about some of the other practices that are going to be extremely instrumental in, in building a protocol that's going to serve people, you know, not just for a month or two months, but for the long term? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, think about microdosing as like one tool among so many. And I think that the more that we look at it within a holistic framework, the more that we can, um, you know, not not see it as this like cure all solution. So, you know, and there's not that much research actually, you know, about there's starting to become more research about microdosing, but there's not that much right now. And so, and when you talk about like, you know, a small amount of a substance in within factors of set and setting and people's different lives and consciousness being an influence on that, it's really hard to research something like that. So I always come back to like, how can I set up my my whole entire life in a way that is really setting up a foundation for inspired action? And that's why I, I really have such a strong emphasis on uh, flow states because we there's, I mean, we can really go down that rabbit hole, but, you know, we know that we can learn more quickly, you know, enhance productivity, although I have a very different framework around quote unquote productivity um, and it enhances lateral thinking. It's like, you know, big data for the mind. And as Steve Kotler would say. And so I just try to look at all the different, um, and again, like really understanding the underlying neural mechanisms for which allow us to drop into a flow state. So my whole microdosing morning flow, I've been tweaking for like over a decade at this point. And really getting into all the different factors, because when we look under the hood of flow states, we can start to see like, okay, there are different knobs and levers that we can um, leverage and pull on. And they're going to be different for all of us. That's why it's really good to know what our sort of our own flow state signature is. But the reason I sort of want to centralize this around flow is because my whole morning, you know, my model for, for microdosing is like, how do I set the stage so that when I I'm sitting down to do my best work. So I'm a content creator. So are you, you know, when I show up for an interview, when I show up to uh, host my podcast, when I'm, you know, uh, hosting rooms on clubhouse or when I'm writing, when I'm creating my landing pages for my courses, you know, I, I, want to step out of my own way as much as possible and connect to something, a force that's greater than myself. And so that's really what I'm going for with my whole microdosing morning flow. And also, you know, remembering that these plant medicines are connecting us to something bigger than ourselves. And so... Um, but when we look at under the hood, you know, for, for flow states, we can start to see like, oh, there are other components that like if I combine microdosing with, um, with movement, for example, and listening to music that's really inspiring me, we know there's neurochemistry involved and in even just going for a walk and listening to inspiring music, our biology or physiology changes. Like we're starting to, our neurochemistry is changing. And so when we start to understand those pieces, we can start combining them in a way that is more than the sum of their parts, right? And so, for example, we know that flow follows focus. So we can set up our environment to really enhance our focus. That's why I end my my morning flow with a specific kind of meditation practice that allows me to change my brainwave states from beta into alpha, but not just alpha. It's more the, the theta alpha bridge and going into what we call phase synchronous alpha. And then, you know, and I can run through my sort of the whole model that I've put together. You know, it's, it's actually, I changed it from the 8M model to the 7M model because there's kind of subcategories, but it's looking at um, microdosing, movement, music, meditation, and under meditation. I also include cold plunges and breath work because they are also uh, a 
certain kind of mind focusing meditation. Um, I also, uh, another M is manifestation. And those are specific visionary practices that I teach people. When you learn how to change your brainwave states, you can go into your sort of root access to your subconscious programming. And when we're in that place and we, we start to practice these specific visionary practices, we can, we can really change, uh, the, the, the connections in our mind. And one of the things that is really powerful to know, and I highly encourage anyone who wants to dive into this topic deeper to check out episode number five. I interview Manesh Gurn, who's a psychedelic neuroscientist. And really the big thing that came out of that episode was that we we see what we believe. And so we know now with like basic models of, of um, neuroscience like predictive coding is one of the main models that understands like the way that we perceive reality is that we see what we believe and what we believe is literally uh, neurological connections that have been forged in our mind, mostly in childhood. And while we're children, we're in a specific brainwave state. And so if we can learn how to stay conscious as we go from beta into alpha into theta, and we start going into these lower brainwave states where that neural imprinting happened, and we can stay conscious in those states, which is absolutely possible, then, and we practice these visionary practices where we um, hold a vision and run through different things in our mind. And again, that's what it means to be a visionary. It just, it means that we're, we're, we're we're willing to explore the power and potential of our own mind. And it's often these practices are a muscle that we haven't been taught how to flex. And so manifestation is, is really the visionary piece. And then a, a two other M's that I put in the model is one is mind mapping. Um, and, and that's specific to the work I do with mostly entrepreneurs, you know, the, the microdosing mastermind program that I've created um, that brings together just really high level people who are all creating in a big way and teaching them how to come out of these states, um, like meditation states after the whole flow from movement, inspired music, meditation, cold plunges, visionary practices to like literally come to a whiteboard and start making connections. And that's what creativity is. Like if you are a thought leader, if you are listening to this and you want to cultivate your capacity as a thought leader, it's about connecting dots in a new and novel way and speaking from that place. And this is what my whole model is built on. And I created this model by doing really deep dives with psychedelics and then you know, it, it's like really the medicine has been sort of leaving me this breadcrumb trail about looking at like the overlap between quantum mechanics and Eastern philosophy and what I experience in the psychedelic space. And so mind mapping is a really powerful way to cultivate your thought leadership. And I teach people these, these tool sets, these cognitive tools in the programs that I run. And then the last M is musings. So, you know, the, the old sort of belief system of, of having this muse of creativity. And um, so the musings is just like all the different ways that we can uh, leverage this experience to open the creative channel, connect to something bigger than ourselves and um, yeah, step out of our own way. So whether the musings is uh, ending your practice on, you know, picking up your guitar and playing a few songs, which is something that I like to, to end my practice with or journaling or, you know, doing uh, visionary journaling practices that are just so amazing and so beautiful uh, and that help contribute to cultivating the vision of what you want to create in your life and not just for you, but for the benefit also of those around you. And I think I just want to sort of wrap up this, this segment of like the, the model that I've created that I think I, I'll, I'll probably be cultivating and developing like for my entire life. Um, but there's this quote by Pantajali, who is, you know, one of the greats. He was just a wise person. And there's this quote that really points to exactly what I'm talking about. And it's the sort of the mysticism of flow states. And so my sort of coming full circle, I started on flow and more the 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 science of flow, but wanting to end on the the mysticism of flow here because that's what the overlapping circle of the M musings is all about, opening that creative channel. And the quote goes, when you are inspired by some great purpose, some extraordinary project, 
all of your thoughts break their bonds. Your mind transcends limitation. Your consciousness expands in every direction. And you find yourself in a new, great, and wonderful world. Dormant forces, faculties, and talents become alive. And you discover yourself to be a greater person than you ever dreamed yourself to be. And I get chills literally every time I read that. But that's exactly what we're doing. We're expanding, like literally expanding our consciousness in every direction. Dormant forces that are within us, they literally become alive. And we discover ourselves to be more powerful than we really knew ourselves to be. And that's the place that I create from. And that's what I teach other people as well. My goodness. LD, thank you so much for honestly just walking us through that 7M model. And yeah, it, 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 I've never heard anyone, and I've been in this space, you know, for a little bit of time, not as long as you, obviously, but, but I've never heard anyone break it down in a way that you just did. And I'm curious to know in regards to the 7Ms, do you implement a specific order of these things, because I'm sure that also plays a role, or is that more based on the individual and kind of what works best specifically for them? Yeah. So I, so I also do lots of like one-on-one work, but also in like the group coaching, like the beauty of the mastermind program. And like, you would be such a great fit, Jeremy. I'd love to invite you to this program because it's just like really high level creators who have advanced practices. That program is not for, it's not a how-to microdose course for beginners like where advanced practitioners come together. And, um, and so we share best practices and it's really amazing when we also hear what other people's flows look like. Um, and I, I have a few friends who have been on this journey alongside me for many years. And so they also come in and share and share what their flow looks like. And it's, it really is about looking at what all the basic building blocks are and then finding a flow and tailoring it to you and also keeping it interesting because that's part of flow is like novelty is a big part of, of that. So if you're sort of on like automatic pilot, it's not, that's not really the way to, to sort of tap into flow, but it's doing the things that really keep you sort of on your toes. And so that's why, um, so for my, for example, like my movement, is really like high intensity training workouts. And I do that while I'm microdosing. And we could talk about also like substances that we microdose with because they're, they're very different, but, um, so the flow is specific, but it does change. Sometimes I do breath work, you know, right after my, my workout. And sometimes I'll do it after my meditation practice. Um, one thing that I didn't mention is that I also work with um, it's, I was just going to grab it. It's just a, a foot away, but I have a, a neuro transcranial neurostimulation device. So I also play with neurostimulation and, uh, I've been playing with that for about two years now. And, uh, part of the programs that I run for like the, the, the mastermind programs also talk about tracking. So that's a big piece for people learning how to cultivate a flow that works for them is like immediate sort of biofeedback and long-term tracking. Are you, are you wearing an aura ring? Did I see you wearing? Yeah, 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 yeah I am. What's up, brother? Hey. Yeah, so I I teach people like advanced biotracking. So how to work with heart rate variability, how to look at what your recovery index is, when to know when to push in your, um, oh my gosh, my cat is on my, my mixer. Oh, bring the <laughs> when to push, feel free to, feel free to when, 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 I know auntie is here hanging out with me. She's the, the real shaman in the space. You know, when I, she sits with me every time I journey, she sits across from me and she is like the ultimate Puma Jaguar. She then like is so holds so much amazing healing space total transmission, that cat. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, tracking is a big part of it and like learning, you know, so when I'm working out, I'm also receiving like immediate feedback about my heart rate. And that, that's why like the microdosing mastermind course is not necessarily for, you know, newbies. It's a little bit more like people who are really taking their practice to the next level and coming together with other people. Um, and then learning all of these other combining it with the cognitive tools and the mind mapping. And that's just one example of like 
dozens that we drew in terms of, you know, uh, creative thinking, how to think outside the box, how to apply uh, creativity and like specific practices to uh, solve problems more effectively and look at things from different perspectives. And so, yes, the flow, the sequencing of the order, it matters, but people can figure that out for themselves. You know, I know some people who really like to meditate when they wake up. I sometimes I'll like lay in bed and listen to one of East Forest's guided meditations. I love his meditation for chaotic times. East Forest, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, uh, the East Forest interview on my podcast will be out. It's I'm releasing it tomorrow. Um, but he's got amazing tracks. I also have playlists for psychedelic journeys and beyond. And one of those playlists is for microdosing morning flows. And so, you know, all the things. I love all the things. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm constantly expanding and exploring all the things. I love it. And, and Laura Dawn, I, d- I do want to be mindful of your time. I know you have another interview after this. Um, so, so I am for sure 100% interested in, in joining that mastermind and, and we'll provide details in the show notes. And if anyone in this community wants to pursue this, I think, I think there's no better person to really facilitate this group than you. So I'm super excited and I've actually, you know, I built a pretty big TikTok following of about like 650,000. And, and a lot of it has been on, you know, speaking about microdosing and the potential healing, uh, potential modality and, and how this can really help transform different areas of your life. Like you mentioned now in this current wave that we're in right now, there's a ton of momentum and there's a lot of excitement obviously, for the destigmatization of psychedelics to a sense and just becoming more open. And like you said, people's heart sets becoming more uh, aligned with that coherence with their minds. So, so what are maybe a couple of the things you're most excited about? I think you mentioned you are working with one of the companies. Was it Numinous? Am I making that up? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, uh, which company you're referring to. I don't know. Okay. I might be making that up. Um, so, so I'm, I'm curious to know what you're most excited about right now, you know, and then what are some maybe concerns you have with all of these companies coming up and, and being publicly traded and possibly some intentions being blurred. So would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So are you talking like when you asked me, what am I most excited about? Are we talking about like the movement in general or like what I'm working on, what I'm like interested in the the channel that I'm kind of like, kind of more the macro in terms of the movement. And yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so excited about the way that Um, I feel like the psychedelic space is like one big open playground right now. And with that, you know, we have to be really careful. So there's like, this is like the razor's edge here. On the one hand, it's really amazing that so many people are, are getting more access and, and accessibility is still a major concern for BIPOC communities. And, um, and the conversation around reciprocity is a huge conversation, Um, but I, I am really excited about the way things are going in the psychedelic space. You know, when you just look at even two years ago, no one said the words plant medicine integration, and now it's becoming part of our, of our mainstream vernacular, you know? So that's really amazing to see that the way the movement is evolving and people are really stepping in and creating protocols. Um, you know, I just feel like bless this breakdown that we're witnessing on the planet right now, you know, that like, you know, I mean, and I know, and it's not to say that like, it's discrediting, like how much suffering is happening as a result of it, but this is time to disrupt those old patterns. And I think that psychedelics are here to help us do that and to help us really fundamentally shift the way that we perceive reality so that we can uncover solutions to the greatest challenges that we face. And, you know, last night I was on, uh, I was moderating a panel on Clubhouse with a conversation from, with Kevin, who's the founder of Horizons, which is, you know, one of the first psychedelic conferences that started and they were, you know, started years ago and it was still so fringe at that point. And 
at this point, you know, they're just like a huge organization and um, because it's so, it's so mainstream at this point. And it was, he said something that really just uh, sort of confirmed and validated just my whole perceptual framework of like where I'm looking at psychedelics. But he said, you know, if you're really a leader in the psychedelic space, then you're not really talking about um, psychedelics to heal depression anymore because that like we have 10 years of research to show that, you know, and that's becoming common like knowledge and really leadership is like pushing that boundary and being at the forefront of a conversation. And he brought up, you know, that we need to look at how we can leverage psychedelics to solve some of our greatest challenges. And, you know, that's not a sort of a direct quote. I'm just summarizing what he said, but, uh, you know, and that was really that that was the whole um, to go back to graduate school and sort of gain a little more credibility in the creativity and psychedelic space and look at how we can really push the envelope towards leveraging these psychedelic experiences. And that's really the, the retreats I'm stepping out with, with, which I'm also really excited about. I've been, as I said, leading retreats for 10 years and they're always evolving. And the next iteration and evolution for me is bringing together corporate teams and doing team building in, in within uh, you know, a 10 day plant medicine retreat setting where we leverage those windows of cognitive flexibility and uh, holding space for advanced creative problem solving facilitation that has built in, you know, reciprocity into their business models. And how can we fundamentally change business models so that they're focusing on who all the stakeholders are, you know, are these sustainable practices? And this kind of, you know, is two answers to both of your questions, because that's what we need to look at when we start looking at, you know, psychedelic companies entering the space. And it's really a juxtaposition to find yourself in leading a company that has stakeholders that need a return on their investment and yet try to operate in like a new paradigm model of sacred economics. It's a really huge challenge to face right now. And I really encourage everyone to slow down in terms of looking at investments in the psychedelic space. And it's so easy to get cut caught up in, I'm going to make a lot of money from this. That's why people invest, you know, people who have money want to make more money. And that's great. I'm not, there's no shame around financial abundance. I've been very financially successful in my life. And also how much can we give back? You know, how much can we build accessibility and reciprocity into our business models? And even for my microdosing mastermind course, a portion of those proceeds go towards the Church of the Eagle and the Condor. They're raising money right now to help legalize ayahuasca in the U.S. And also to um, a ceremony fund that uh, the Ancestors Project has that supports accessibility for the BIPOC community. And I think that that's really important, you know, and just to like you know, we, we can all be doing better and we can all be, and we can't, we, it's not about like shaming each other and like, Hey, you should be doing better, but like, Hey, can we lift each other up? And can we learn from each other and grow and bring all parties, all stakeholders and give all parties who, you know, indigenous cultures as well, wisdom keepers, they need a seat at the table. They need to have their voice heard and we need to be able to listen to that. And this can't be an elitist movement. And that's also why I'm working on an app development right now and a, and a nonprofit organization called Grow Medicine. And this team that I'm putting together for that, we're creating an app so that in Western culture, it becomes common practice that after you sit in a ceremony, you open the app and you click on the button of the photo of the plant medicine you just consumed and you offer a donation to replant that medicine. It goes towards supporting a local community. There people who are living on the land who are tending to these plants. And so we're partnering with organizations to grow ayahuasca vine, iboga, and we're hoping to expand out to peyote, um, looking at, you know, bufo as well, and how we can create like conservation for, for these plant medicines that are, you know, helping us heal. And Western culture has a particular knack at like suffocating and strangling the shit out of the things that we love, you know, and we need to stop doing that. And so yeah, just joining forces with other bright minds in the space, bright minds and big hearts. That's what we need and how we can come together to create built-in models. It's not just an app. We're going to look at 
um, built fundamentally integrating it into retreat centers. So when people book retreats, it's in vertical integration. P- portion of that goes towards replanting, you know, and we didn't even get into, you know, microdosing the different substances and all of that. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but um, ending on like accessibility and reciprocity should be at the forefront of conscious business practices. Another suggestion is go look up the North Star Pledge. If you're an entrepreneur in the psychedelic space, look up the North Star Pledge and go sign that agreement. Read it, go sign it. And when you're looking at companies who are investing and making moves in the space, how much are they adhering to the North Star Pledge? And how much, you know, how, how much are they building in accessibility and reciprocity to their business models? So these are all really good questions. Like lead with the heart, lead with ethics. You know, the, who knows how long the financial system is even going to be around for, you know? Yeah, that's powerful. And that 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 is a really great place to end. And for me, just piggybacking on what you said, you know, the words that come to mind when I think of when I think of psychedelics and my experiences and the stuff you're talking about is co-creation, co-elevating, collaboration, and really just joining forces with other powerful leaders and and magnifying and amplifying our impact on the planet. So I love everything you spoke about. And, and really just doing everything with intention and, and so thoughtful, LD. Um, I'd love to close out just asking you, like it, it seems like you have so much going on. You've accomplished a lot and, and, and you've done so much work on yourself and you continue to do so. Is there one area or one limiting belief that still lingers with you to this day? Is there something kind of you're focusing on working through at the moment? Yeah. Oh, all the time, you know, all the time. I'm, I'm constantly expanding the boundaries of what I believe is possible. So all the time I would say, you know, I'm so blessed. Like the positive belief that I was given was that whatever I see in my mind, I can create in reality. That was really, my father told me that all the time. And he also was like, you need to work really hard to achieve it. You know, and I do work hard and there's this belief around like, I've let go. And that's where so much of like the flow state research, like flow states are like less energy in and put, you know, the energy in versus energy output ratio fundamentally changes. So I think I'm I'm slowly dismantling the belief that like a success definition of success and what that really means to you, which is takes, you know, a lot of leadership in and of itself to step out of the status quo. Um, But to, to, for me, it's been like dismantling the belief of like struggle, or you need to like push a boulder uphill to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And sometimes, you know, as an entrepreneur, it does feel like that. It really just does. It's like, okay, wow, this is a lot of work. Um, but how do we make it even just shifting towards shifting the, the word work for create or shifting, you know, how we, how we engage. And that's why I have my practice is like the fundamental place of filling up my own cup. These practices, daily practices is, is walking the path of mastery, in my opinion. And it's all about filling up my own cup. And the moment that I don't do that and I don't step into my practices, that's when things get much more challenging and tricky. So it's all about, you know, filling up your own cup first. But this notion of, of just like hard work, I think is like so pervasive in our culture and, you know, just been playing with that for some years now in my own mind. Yeah, definitely relate to that. I appreciate you sharing. And I just want to acknowledge you, Laura Dawn, for the way that you show up in the world. The short, short time that I've known you and been exposed to your work, I'm so inspired and empowered by everything that you're putting out and every word you speak honestly has so much meaning and so much power and i know you're helping so many people on their journey of transformation and living a life of more heart-centered leadership so i'm excited to continue co-creating and i appreciate you and and where can people find out more about your work yeah, my my main home base is my website, livefreelauraD.com. I have links to my Instagram. My handle is livefreelauraD pretty much everywhere. Clubhouse, definitely check out the... I'm hosting weekly rooms on Clubhouse. Um, I'm primarily on Instagram. That's my, my main focus right now. And my 
podcast, the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. And I'm I'm launching some pretty big projects uh, on the back burner that are coming down the pipeline here pretty soon. So stay tuned for, for all of that goodness coming. Much love, Laura, Don, and we got to get you on TikTok soon. Uh, I think I think your voice needs to okay. be heard on that platform. So I can definitely provide support if, if you want to go down that oh. rabbit hole. But I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And, and everyone listening right now, remember curiosity, creativity, compassion. How can you infuse more of those things into your life? And make sure to follow Laura Don's work. And she has a free microdosing course that's amazing. And she's just shining so bright. So definitely check her out. Stay in touch with her. And thanks for listening. Laura Dawn, you're the best. Appreciate you. Much love. And Thank you, Jeremy. Yes. Can't wait for the world to hear this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Oh my goodness. Thrive Tribe. I don't know about you, but that conversation with Laura Dawn left me so inspired. The way that she speaks so eloquently about psychedelics and leadership and creativity is something that I admire a lot. And Laura Dawn is clearly somebody who is doing the work. And I am inspired by that. I'm inspired by people who are on this path of self-discovery and human optimization and want to elevate the collective consciousness of humanity. So I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation nearly as much as I did. And it would mean the world if you let me know, let us know what was the biggest takeaway you had from today's show, from today's conversation. Tag me on Instagram at Coach Jeremy 305 and let me know what was the biggest takeaway you had? What was the biggest knowledge nugget that you got from today's conversation? And you can also tag Laura Dawn at Live Free Laura D. And that's where she's at on Instagram. We're linking to all of her amazing work in the show notes. And also, finally, the one thing I ask is that if you enjoyed today's conversation, if you've gotten any value from my content in the past, it would mean the world if you left a review for today's show. You simply just scroll to the bottom on iTunes. You can tap five stars. If you feel inspired, you can even write something. And yeah, it helps us reach more people. It helps us impact more lives. So that is something very small that makes a very big difference. And again, thank you so much for spending some of your time here with us today. Your energy, your support, it means the world. And you already know what time it is. Fam, it's time to elevate your consciousness. It's time to pursue your passions and thrive.